And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to the show this morning. Today, this show will be chock full of Star Wars references. So... Got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, Michael Leibowitz uh, joining us today. He's the Luke Skywalker of, of finance. Uh, so anyway, as we kind of get into the Fed announcement and talk more about what does that mean um, in terms of more rate hikes, no rate hikes, it's interesting. Um, you know, the problems that have existed before are still kind of showing up in the markets. And actually, Mike and I were just talking about this yesterday, looking at these regional banks, you know, kind of asking the question, who's the next to go and who's going to survive? Uh, there'll be some really good opportunities in the regional bank sector, depending on which one survives this kind of fallout. And then after, right, not too long after we had that conversation yesterday, both PacWest and uh, um, West, uh, Western, uh, Western Alliance, uh, both fell sharply uh, yesterday afternoon, and in fact, this morning, those banks are down as they're potentially seeking new suitors. So uh, phone calls have been going in literally overnight to the Sith Lord at uh, JP Morgan um, for them to continue building their Death Star uh, as we go along. So anyway, uh, the markets yesterday did sell off. We took out that 20-day moving average after the Fed announced their rate hike, or actually, well, they announced a rate hike, and, and their language suggests they're done for now. Um, but the markets did decline below that, probably not so much because of what the Fed was saying, but because of what was happening in the banking sector kind of at the same time. Um, did take out that 20-day moving average, still above support here at the 50. Again, despite all of the kind of the banking woes, et cetera, the market continues to hold in here very well. Uh, the sell signal that we have in place has continued to kind of operate as it normally does. Uh, generally, when you first trigger these sell signals, it's not uncommon to get that, to kind of get a rally, um, you know, at that point, because the time you trigger a sell signal, you've already had a few days of selling. So a bit of a rebound in the market's not surprising, happens quite often. Uh, markets did rally back up to the previous highs and then, of course, have been selling off for the last couple of days. That sell signal is still intact. More importantly, um, market is not oversold yet. And normally where you get the better buying opportunity setup is where both the MACD sell signal has kind of completed its normal cycle of a reversion. Uh, in other words, it goes from a high level to a low level. And you also have fairly overbought, uh, oversold conditions in the market. So those give you your best setups. In fact, if you kind of come back and look at kind of that March low where we recommended adding exposure to portfolios, that was kind of exactly the same setup. The MACD had gotten fairly oversold. Uh, you were oversold on a, on a uh, uh, market basis, and that gave you a really good setup for that rally that we had from the March 15th lows to kind of where we are now. So we're kind of starting that next leg of the cycle. That also kind of sets up with as we move into the summer months, which are typically tend to be weaker. And again, as we get into the summer months, you know, there's there's going to be less activity just as a norm. Money flows tend to tend to slow up during summer months. A lot of traders on vacation, etc. But also, we're just still continuing with both, you know, this problem we have going on in the banks and this lag effect of all these monetary rate hikes. So the Fed's been hiking this year. 
those hikes won't show up until late this year, next year, but we're still trying to pick up on the lag effect for a lot of those rate hikes that we had last year. So those are still coming in, slowing economic activity. And the one thing that the Fed did point out yesterday in particular, and you know, we've talked about this on the show, is tighter lending standards. Um, you know, when you have banks going into failure, <laughs> you know, there becomes a lot of worry across banks in general and bank and bankers and, and trying to protect their banks start going, you know, hey, you know what, we're going to slow up on lending here a little bit just in case, you know, we ha start having a lot of outflows of assets. And this is this is the big concern, right? We talked about before that, you know, we operate on fractional reserve banking. So when somebody makes a deposit in the bank, the bank then loans that money out, at least the vast majority of it. And they do maintain some of that, you know, capital for their reserves. And they buy bonds with that. Well, if all of a sudden depositors show up and want all their money at one time, and this is kind of what happened with Silicon Valley Bank, literally over the weekend you have $40 billion worth of outflows, well, you've got to send the money back to the depositors. It's their money, but you've got to sell your assets. If those assets are depressed in value because the Fed's been hiking rates, that causes a lot of problems for the bank, and that's what we've been seeing happening with, with some of these banks across the country. So, you know, as a result of that, there's a lot of bankers going, hey, let's slow up on the lending here a bit, really kind of rein in how much risk we're taking with loans. You know, we're, we'll make some loans, but they're going to be 100% guaranteed type loans, right? I mean, they're going to be really good credit loans. Um, you know, some of these, you know, maybe a little bit more risky loans, maybe for commercial real estate, those type of things, which a lot of regional banks do, those deals aren't going to get done because of just concern about the structure and safety of their banks. They don't want to be the next guy getting sold off to JP Morgan. So, you know, this is going to this is going to constrict activity because again, credit is kind of the lifeline of the economy. We need to loan money to people so they go start a business, build a building, whatever it is that creates economic activity. If that's not happening, that's another impact to the economy that's slowing economic activity. So as the Fed has, has talked about before, and even mentioned yesterday, these tighter lending standards, even though the Fed is not hiking rates, these tighter lending standards kind of act as a de facto rate hike on the economy. So slower economic growth certainly kind of baked into the cake here at some point. And the real question continues to be whether or not the market has fully discounted that weaker economic growth or is the market mispricing this? Um, you know, one, of the, one of the reasons that we keep getting these rallies in the market is for hopes on this Fed pivot, which maybe yesterday was kind of that first nomenclature of the Fed stopping hiking rates. But the question now is, is are they going to cut rates? This is really what the market's banking on. And in fact, Fed Fund futures right now are banking that the Fed is going to cut 180 basis points. That's 1.8%. So we're at 5% as of yesterday. The market is saying we're going to cut rates by 1.8% by the first half of next year. So that would take the Fed funds rate down to 3.2% by the beginning of next year. That's a pretty steep rate cut. The only reason we've said, as Mike and I have said numerous times before, and we'll talk about more this morning, is the only time in history that the Fed is cutting rates is because there's an economic problem. So this is going to be the one thing to, that, we, that we've got to ask, you know, has the market kind of priced in this idea of an economic recession? I, I, I would think not <laughs> because we have valuations going back up now. Earnings, you know, seem to have troughed here. We'll see if that continues. But in a weaker economic environment, earnings are going to deteriorate further. 
So there are certainly some concerns here. I'm not discounting that at all. The market does remain in a very bullish trend right now from last October. Nothing wrong with the markets right now. We did take out a little bit of very mild support yesterday at the 20-day moving average, but there is a lot of support here banked up between the 50, 100, and 200 day moving averages, all sitting right here around 4,000. So there's not a lot of downside technically right now in the markets, unless, unless something else happens in the markets. But the one thing that's very important to, to kind of focus on here is that despite these bank failures, the market continues to hold up well. You know, again, we have more bank crises out this morning with both PacWest and Western Alliance, and the market is basically flat this morning. There is not a lot of concern within the over market, at least in the, in the futures this morning. Now, that may get worse during the day, but right now, there's just not a lot of concern. We'll talk some more about this and the Fed coming up here on this May 4th edition of The Real Investment Show. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Retirement's not what it used to be. And knowing how health insurance works after you leave your job is vital. Our next Lunch and Learn will tackle transitioning to Medicare. Thursday, May 11th with Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso. How will Medicare work with the insurance you already have? What are the deadlines you need to know for signing up for Medicare? Register now for our Transitioning to Medicare Lunch and learn with Ratliff and Rosso at realinvestmentadvice.com realinvestmentadvice.com The Real Investment Show Back to this edition of the Real Investment Show. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Uh, Michael Leibowitz joining us. Um, kind of the big story was the Federal Reserve, um, much anticipated meeting. Everybody expected the Fed to hike 25 basis points. They did. And of course, what they were also hoping for was that the Fed would, you know, talk about pausing rate hikes. And they did, kind of in a way. Um, but, you know, when you kind of read through the language, they kind of also left the door open um, to potentially hike rates again in the future if they needed to. You know, the big concern continues to be, and again, we're going to see this, and, and, and I am sure that uh, Jerome Powell, Darth Vader, had, um, <laughs> had the employment report numbers for Friday. Now, tomorrow we get the BLS employment report, ADP came in at, I believe, I don't have the number in front of me, but I believe it was around 269,000 jobs in the ADP report, which was about twice what was expected. So this, you know, the employment situation continues to remain very strong, and that's a big concern from an inflationary standpoint uh, from the Fed is these very, are these very strong jobs. So, the, you know, the ADP report hints that we could see a fairly strong BLS report on Friday. Again, uh, there hasn't the, some of the correlation between those two reports have kind of fallen off over the last year or so. So there's not a you know it's it's not guaranteed that what we'll see on Friday. But 
kind of the hint is is that we could see a fairly strong number on Friday. Now, the you know Jerome Powell even made a nod to the strong employment report in yesterday's kind of the minute. So they you know they released their statement, then they have their press conference, and the statement you know doesn't change from month to month except for a few word changes. And there were a couple of significant word changes in there, but he did note. Um, specifically the strong jobs and, of course, made a nod to the recent bank crisis as well and, and talking about tighter lending standards, as I said. So, anyway, uh, that's what happened yesterday. Let's kind of get into the analysis of it, what it means for the markets, and, and then we'll also get into this regional bank issue and what's going on. Again, as I noted, PacWest and Western Alliance uh, kind of both on the ropes this morning, but that's dragging down a lot of these other regional banks as well. Uh, Mike, uh, welcome to the show this morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good. A lot to unpack today, huh? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So what was your kind of initial takeaway from the meeting yesterday? Market seemed to like it initially when the Fed announced their statement. And then as uh, you know, we got into the press conference, um, markets didn't like it as much and we wound up selling off into the close. Kind of what was your takeaway from that? So let's talk about the statement first. There were basically two changes. So like Lance said, the statement tends to be the same statement from from meeting to meeting, and then they edit it and they make changes. Sometimes the changes are very minimal. Sometimes they're extensive. This time there were a fair number of changes, but there were really only two. The rest were just kind of more wording. One of them, which the market immediately grabbed as the Fed is done, is that the Fed basically said that they will basically instead of they will raise rates at the next meeting, they said that they will consider what to do. So this is very important because now they're basically saying they potentially hit that level, but they're going to wait to see what incoming data looks like, what happens with the banking crisis before they decide what to do at the next meeting. So they've preserved their optionality, but they're saying it's kind of a wait and see moment. And I think there's a lot of significance to that from a market, from an investment trading perspective. And that's that they have just introduced volatility around every uh, bank that goes under, around every big piece of economic data. So next, I think it's next Wednesday, we get CPI. And then mm -hmm. we probably get retail sales that Friday. We get employment uh, tomorrow. So if we get a really high employment number, low unemployment number, the market's going to say, oh, the Fed's going to raise one more time. And then we get to next Wednesday and CPI is lower than expected. They're going to say, oh, no, no, they're not. They're going to, they're going to, they're done. They're pausing. So, so we could see an incredible amount of volatility around these numbers. And we've talked about these zero uh, dates till expiration options. That's just going to make some of that volatility worse as traders bet on the direction or that, you know, whether they're buying puts to protect themselves or calls because they think the Fed's done, just has the ability to make May a very volatile month as we uh, kind of work ourselves into the mid-June Fed meeting. And then the, uh, the second one was the credit conditions. And basically they said they changed the wording from uh, their, they were the recent recent events remember the meeting was mid-march which was right around when uh silicon valley i don't think they've been uh they they i don't think they had defaulted yet but they were definitely on the ropes and so were a few other banks and they said that recent conditions have the ability to tighten credit conditions tighten lending standards now they're saying that they will 
And he talked about this in his commentary. Basically, they have access to a Fed survey, which is going to come out early next week, which is where we know what lending standards are. It's based on a Fed survey. So it's clear based on the way he described the report that lending standards just increased significantly. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the, uh, yeah, what do you think was going to happen kind of statement? Uh, Lance and I were talking about this, what, six weeks ago. When Silicon Valley went down, we said that the, one of the offshoots is that banks, especially smaller banks, have no choice but to tighten lending standards. And they've been doing it, and we've seen it in other surveys, and the Fed is just making note of that because I think at the end of the day, Lance, that's the, the, the banks are going to do the, do the Fed's job for them. They're, we've talked about these lagged effects with interest rate hikes. Mm -hmm. And the Fed has hiked and hiked rates to and has very little effect on the economy or inflation. Well, that's because the banks kept lending. People kept borrowing. People didn't care that rates were higher for, for a number of reasons. They kept spending. Well, this is going to put an end to that. Banks just are not going to lend. They don't. Many of these small regional banks don't have a choice. They're losing deposits. They have to shed assets, shed loans, not take on new loans. So. You know, again, we talk about lag effects. This is a big lag effect that just has taken a long time to get through the Python, but it's working its way through pretty quickly now. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. You know, uh, Jerome Powell did, you know, specifically make, you know, made effort to make the statement. The U.S. banking system is sound and resilient. Um, you know, this has been kind of one of the clarion calls by the Fed is that, you know, the banking system's fine. Don't worry about don't don't worry about the disaster and devastation that's occurring in the regional banks. Everything's just <laughs> fine. You know, kind of as Rome is burning, you know, Nero's fiddling, um, you know, but, you know, again, to your point, you know, his the specific statement in the in the in yesterday's uh Fed, Fed, Fed statement was tighter credit conditions for households and businesses are likely to weigh on economic activity, hiring and inflation. Uh, the extent of these effects or remains uncertain. And, you know, and I think one thing that kind of really got to the market was, is that the committee remains highly attentive to inflation risk. You know, that still, that leaves that door open that maybe they don't hike rates at the next meeting, but if inflation remains sticky, which it has, if you take a look at PCE uh, deflator, which is kind of one of the ones that uh, the Fed pays attention to, they also pay attention to the trimmed mean PCE. That's the personal consumption expenditure inflation index. Um, they pay very close to the attention to that. Those remain, you know, at very high levels. Those really have not come down that much. And so while the Fed's kind of hoping that and, and the markets are kind of hoping that, you know, the Fed's done hiking rates here, if those inflation rates start don't don't start coming down towards that kind of two percent target level that the Fed wants, you know, the Fed may have to hike rates again. And that's something that the the markets certainly don't want to hear at this point, considering that the Fed fund futures are pointing to 180 basis points of cuts by the first half of next year. Right. And also, you know, if you looked at Fed funds futures before the meeting, they only had a 5% chance the Fed was going to hike rates one more time. Mm -hmm. So the market, you know, basically everything the Fed said the market knew was coming. And maybe it's just that the market was a little upset that they were not a little more dovish, yeah. that they pretty much stuck to the market's opinion and to their prior views. They really didn't, they didn't really say we're done. Right. They said, we may be done. We don't know. Right. Yeah. You know, I think what and, I think to your point, the, the market was looking for the Fed to say, you know, we've hiked rates to a sufficiently restrictive point. 
to bring inflation down to our target rate. If they would have said that, market probably would have taken I actually even said that yesterday morning. If they would come out that clearly and say, you know, they are, are done hiking rates, we probably would have seen a bigger uptick in the market yesterday, um, you know, going into the close. But and, and, and I thought it was interesting because even once that Jerome Powell got into the actual press conference, um, you even you and I talked yesterday a bit and you even made note that he was really struggling during that press conference to, to answer some of the questions, right, to, you know, try yeah. to thread that needle, so to speak, between, you know, not saying something that, that upsets the market versus, you know, not wanting to be mistaken that the Fed's become ultra dovish either. And I think this is worth elaborating on, but he he's under incredible pressure. We've seen a bunch of congressmen saying, you got to stop. You're done. Warren was was all over him over the last few days saying you got to stop raising rates. The banks must be yelling at him. Remember, he reports to the banks. Right. If you look at who the board of directors are of the Federal Reserve, it's the big banks. They must be yelling at him. I'm sure the Biden administration has that phone ringing every 10 minutes to Powell's office. So he is under incredible pressure here. But at the end of the day, his job is to stop inflation. And the only way to stop inflation right now at the speed they want to stop it is to engineer some sort of recession or, you know, whether it's a slowdown to very low growth or a deep recession. Don't know what will stop inflation, but somewhere in that spectrum. And the Fed alludes to this, right? They, they, they're calling for a mild recession. Half of Wall Street saying there's a decent chance of a mild recession. Yeah. So again, and it will be the most anticipated and for the first time ever spoken of in a recession by a Federal Reserve member in history. So that's going to be even more interesting to see how and when that develops. We'll be right back. We'll talk some more about that. We also need to get into what's happening with these regional banks. Is there some opportunity there? That's one of the things we want to be looking out for um, amidst the devastation. Who survives? We'll talk about that when we come back from the break right here on The Real Investment Show. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to the show, of course. As uh, we started kind of looking out, you know, one of the things that, you know, just before we were concluding in the last segment, you know, this would be one of the most well forecasted, anticipated recessions in the history of the United States. And and never as far and and maybe it happened back in the 1920s, 30s, whatever. I, you know, we don't have any I haven't been able to find any data points to this, but I've looked back through years and years worth of Fed meeting minutes, et cetera, and can't find any other period in time where a Fed chairman came out and said the following. It's possible we'll have what would be a mild recession. I've never seen a Fed chairman say that because the reason, as always, is that, you know, the Federal Reserve drives policy. And so if the Federal Reserve says, you know, hey, man, we messed up, we hiked rates too much, there's going to be a big recession coming – you know, even if there wasn't going to be a recession, immediately everybody sells stuff and stops buying stuff in the economy because the Fed chair just said a recession is coming, right? So it must be coming. 
So you immediately have a recession because of the psychological and behavioral impact of such a statement on the economy. Um, it's interesting this time is that, you know, starting last year, everybody was predicting a recession. We've had more recession calls, more commentary about recessions, and now you have Fed chairman saying we possibly have a recession. And, and the reason that that's interesting is because, first of all, it is, it is basically creating a behavioral bias in the markets. In other words, the markets have been pricing in a recession because they've been told a recession is coming repeatedly over time all of last year. Recession, 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 recession. Going to have recession. Going to be terrible. All this stuff is going to happen. And yet, it hasn't happened yet, and the market's been pricing this in. So one of the things that you have to factor in, you know, into this is this idea, and we, we wrote about this two weeks ago in our newsletter, is this idea of this rolling recession, which is this recession has gotten spaced out because of these impacts of these events. And again, we're having pretty big banking issues going on right now. Silicon Valley Bank, then you had First Republic, now you've got PacWest and, and uh, Western Alliance on the ropes, and yet market's really not down that much, Right. We're not down 5, 10, 15 percent from the peaks because of a banking crisis going on. The markets are absorbing these things as it's coming in, going, OK, got, got it. You know, banking system's OK. You know, uh, First Republic got sold off to J.P. Morgan. OK, normally now, if that had happened back, you know, um, probably in 2018, 2019, the markets would have been down fairly sharply. But because of of this year long, you know, kind of drone of bearish news and bearish information, everybody kind of knew something was going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, you're hiking rates, you're going to create problems somewhere. Markets have been pricing all this in. So this is one of the reasons why this market has been very frustrating to people that have been waiting for that washout moment. You know, at some point, this market's going to be down 30, 35%. I'm going to buy the bottom. The problem is, is everybody's trying to buy the bottom. You know, we had FOMO, uh, previously, which was the fear of missing out on the upside in 2020, 2021. Over the last year, it's been the fear of missing out on the bottom, right? We talked about this the other day. It's FOMOB. <laughs> and nobody wants to miss the bottom. So everybody's been, every dip that we've been getting in this market, people have been stepping in and buying, buying these dips. And that's creating a very interesting environment where you're trying to find value and trying to find that opportunity to put capital to work in what would be perceived a fairly risky environment. This is the challenge, right? This is a big challenge. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, Powell said yesterday also at his conference was, is that the FOMC's inflation outlook doesn't support rate cuts. And that's a key statement. I think that's also another reason why the market sold off into the afternoon as he was going through. The market was actually holding up fairly well. We were in positive territory, Um prior to the actual press conference. And, and then as Powell got into his press conference yesterday, he started making these statements um, you know, about potentially having a recession and then that the FOMC's outlook doesn't support rate cuts. I think that was disappointing to the markets because, again, the markets are pricing in rate cuts starting in the second half of this year. But, again, if the market's doing – and I'll just restate this from before, and I'm going to turn it over to Mike. Um, but as I've said before, if the markets are going up – the economy's functioning, and everything's kind of status quo, right? I mean, nothing's falling out of bed overall. Then why would the Fed cut rates? I mean, nirvana for the Federal Reserve is to have rates at 5%. Everything operates fine. 
And they've got a big spread between 5% and zero as a huge, that's one of the largest levels of, of spread between the, the terminal rate and, and the zero rate on the Fed funds that we've had in decades. That gives the Fed a tremendous amount of ammo at some point to come in and cut rates to offset a deep recession. But if there's not a deep recession or if there's, if there's only an economic slowdown, a soft landing, so to speak, there's no reason to cut rates, right? There's no reason to increase monetary accommodation. In fact, a stagflationary environment is the least, um, is the least type of structure that, that the Fed will cut rates into. In fact, you'll get less monetary accommodation and stagflation than you would in an outright deflationary recession. Okay, having said that, Mike, your, your view. So if you remember last year, we had two quarters of negative GDP growth. Some called it a recession, some didn't. But the NBER, who is the official uh, titler of, that's a word, of recessions, <laughs> said it wasn't a recession. And if you go read their material on how they determine a recession, it's all based on 90% of it's based on employment. Unemployment has to rise in conjunction with negative economic growth. And throughout last year, despite GDP falling a couple quarters, employment was sitting at or near 50 year lows. And as since the unemployment rate has actually come down a little even since then. So to me, this whole thing whether it's a rolling recession, whether it's going to be a very deep, deep recession, whether there's no recession, all comes down to employment. And yesterday I had kind of my first aha moment. I met someone. She was laid off a week ago. She's I think she said a communications marketing special, something like that. She was laid off. It's the first person that I know that lost the job or that I've even met. Not that I really know her, but that I've met that has lost the job. And that's the key here. And that's why Powell has talked about employment for so long, because people's behaviors do not change unless they think there's something going to happen to their their salary every you know, in their paycheck every other week or monthly or whatever. So, you know, once people once and if not not that not that is definitive, but if people start getting laid off, first of all, those people spend less because they're worried they don't have a job. They got to find a job. But their coworkers also get concerned. Well, if they fire Timmy, why can't they fire me? He actually did more work than me, right? And or the companies has problems. Even though I'm the best worker, they may try to cut my pay. They may lay me off or cut my hours. And as that concern or fear, depending on your situation, spreads, you spend less. And I think that's what we're waiting on. You know, to know if we're going to be in a recession by September or next March, if you tell me what the employment rate is for those two months, I'll tell you what, when the recession starts and when it ends. And I'll tell you all you want to know about how deep the recession is. So I, I think we're waiting where, you know, we it seems like we don't talk about the lag effect of interest rate hikes nearly as much as we used to, Lance. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I think we're still waiting to see what's going to happen. It's almost like when the roadrunner runs off the cliff and he's sitting in the air and he's, you know, just looking around and it just takes a while for him to fall. So we don't know the, the road, the economy sitting in the air, but we're just waiting and we don't know how fall that is. It may be a very minor fall, maybe a very deep fall. 
it's just a lot of this is psychology too. And when will companies start laying off people or will they lay off people? And we're kind of in this, this stagnant zone where we're just waiting and waiting. And, and the unemployment numbers, I think, you know, including jobless claims, which come out on Thursdays and the big BLS report, which is the first Friday of every month, which will come out tomorrow, will start taking on more and more weight along with the CPI data. Mm -hmm. And the market direction will probably, you know, you can probably, you know, probably have a good idea of where the stock market's going to be too, based on where employment will be in September and where it'll be in next March. That's right. You know, and, and this is, you know, again, this is the big challenge though, right? I mean, you know, employment remains stubbornly strong. And, and again, we have to go back and talk about, you know, everybody's saying, you know, history says that every time the Fed hikes rates, that you have a recession and these things occur. The problem is, is we're just coming out of a cycle where we had a recession because we manufactured a recession through that economic shutdown, flooded the system with liquidity, and you know have now created this kind of, you know, this this kind of beast where we have all this monetary liquidity still in the system in terms of M2, and. People were hiring. We, we just wound up hiring people back that we laid off a couple of years ago. And so now everybody's going, well, I don't want to lay them off. I just hired them. I just spent a bunch of money to hire these people. They're good workers, and I don't want to get rid of them. <laughs> and, and so we may not see that big drop in employment that everybody's expecting. We may not see the, the, big, the big fall off in economic activity that everybody's expecting because of what we did two years ago during the pandemic, uh, coming up on three years now, um, in the pandemic, and, and all that liquidity that has changed that dynamic of how a normal economic recession due to Fed rate hikes would occur. You know, this is, this is the big conundrum. Anyway, we'll be right back after the break. Don't go away. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com so uh we've been talking a lot about the fed the economy markets potential recession blah 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 um let's flip the let's flip this over and talk a little bit about what's going on with the banks because obviously that's big headline news today pack west down uh nearly 50 percent this morning western alliance down sharply and uh, you know fears and concerns about more you know banks potentially going under because of these deposit outflows and you know, that's that's going to be the big question. Right. So, you know, it's it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Bank bank stock prices start to fall. It gets talked about on television. Right. So it's all over the, the CNN and Fox News and CNBC this morning. PacWest down 50 percent. Well, if I wasn't really worried about PacWest a couple of days ago, you know, it's like, OK, yeah, stock prices down. No big deal. It's just rest of what's going on in the market. Bank seems OK. 
bank may be okay, right? But you wake up one morning and it's all over the headlines that, you know, PacWest, Western Alliance, whoever it is, is down, you know, 30, 40, 50% at the open. What's the first thing you do? You get on your app and you go move your money somewhere else, right? And that just exacerbates, you know, we talk about these self-fulfilling prophecies in the economy. The Fed comes out and says, hey, there's going to be a recession. People panic and they start selling off assets and, and stop doing activity in the economy because they want to prep for the recession, right? They, nobody wants to get caught up in the recession. So they cause the recession simply by the psychological impact of statements being made. And that's one of the problems for the regional banks, right? If I'm not really worried about my bank at the moment, right? And this is a conversation Mike and I had yesterday. You know, we started kind of filtering through banks with really low commercial real estate exposure because that's one of the, the kind of the big shoes that are fit, sitting out there. Those are those loans that are potentially at risk, right? That's, that's potential impairment to the bank's balance sheet. Um, the other side, of course, is, you know, the assets they have on their books are down in value because interest rates have gone up. So as long as nobody demands a lot of money back all at once, they're okay. But all of a sudden, if everybody starts moving their money somewhere else, they go, well, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know if ABC Bank is in trouble or not, but I'm just in case I'm going to move my money to JP Morgan, right? So they have those deposit outflows. In order to meet those outflows, they've got to sell assets. They have to sell those assets at impaired prices. And the next thing you know, you've got a, a PacWest or Western Alliance or a Silicon Valley Bank on your hands, right? That's, that's how we got in the situation. So all these headlines actually are making the situation potentially worse. Banks that may not have been in trouble might get in trouble simply because of headlines and psychological, the psychological behavioral impact of how people operate in the markets. But, you know, Mike, real quick, um, kind of what's your, what's your thoughts here? I mean, there's going to be some opportunities here. Not every regional bank is going under. And at some point, there's going to be an opportunity to buy some regional banks really cheap. There will. I, I think the problem, as you, you kind of alluded to, is this is banking is a con game. And it's it, it, by con, I mean confidence game. And it doesn't matter whether the bank's healthy or not. If, if for some reason its customers think there's a problem, you're going to have a bank run. And today, a bank run can happen in two minutes on your you know, your phone. Uh, but, it, but it, you know, it kind of got me thinking a little bit, it, you know, I wish we could have everyone listening to this raise their, you know, answer a question and raise their hand. How many people have a mortgage below 4%? And my guess is of all everyone listening to this podcast that, that has a mortgage, my bet is it's 90% or maybe even more, right? Well, currently mortgage rates are six and a half, maybe 7%, somewhere up there. That means that every mortgage at 4% or below is sitting on a bank's balance sheet at about 80, 70 to 80 cents on the dollar. So it's got a price of 70, let's say 75, and they originated at 100. Now the beauty, quote unquote beauty with our banking system is that banks can elect to hold securities to maturity. That's an accounting term to, which means we can hide our our losses on securities. So we just, let's just say we have a single bank that made me my loan, which is actually a 3% loan. They made it at 100, 100, 100 on the dollar, and now it's worth 70 cents on the dollar, right? Mm -hmm. So technically they're insolvent. Technically they are insolvent, but that, that mortgage is sitting on their books at one, at a dollar. So it's fine. 
Well, now all of a sudden deposits leave that bank. They have to sell my mortgage. They have to recognize the 30 cent loss. They only have 10 cents of equity. Most banks hold about 10, 10% equity. So they have a 20 cent loss, 20% loss on their book. They're, they're, they're insolvent. So the problem is that I think the stock market is leading this whole cycle. So PacWest is in the news yesterday. It's stock dropped yesterday, but after hours it dropped, it got cut in half after the market closed for some unknown reason. And whether that's short sellers pounding on the stock, whether it's a rumor about something or other, regardless of what it is, everyone this morning that's seen the PacWest news, depositors are going to withdraw more money out of the bank. The bank has to sell mortgages like mine and yours at 60, 70, 80 cents on a dollar. It has to recognize losses and are done. Mm-hmm. And now the Fed has the Fed has created another issue, Lance, by these sweetheart deals, J.P. Morgan with First Republic. Mm-hmm. You know, basically, J.P. Morgan has to completely screw up not to make a lot of money on this First Republic <laughs> deal. Well, why, when you, when you get to if, buy the assets at a discount plus have no liabilities, that, what can and go no wrong? No credit risk. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it's not it's not a perfect deal, but it, but. They're Pretty already, close. you know, I forgot. <laughs> well, they, you know, I, I forgot the number, but they can accrue immediately three, four hundred million to their profits for the for, for the next quarter, yeah. and then it should accrue profits much more than that going forward. Mm-hmm. So, if I'm J.P. Morgan, if I'm Jamie Dimon, or if I'm the guy at City or Bank of America, or even like a PNC or possibly a Truist, one of that those high next level banks, why would I buy PacWest today? Why wouldn't I wait for the FDIC to take them to, yep. you know, the FDIC took, I forgot what, 15, 15 billion of uh, First Republic's losses. Yep. Let let the FDIC take, you know, five billion of PacWest's losses and let me just take cherry pick all the good stuff. Yep. And so, that's and that's and that's, it, that's what's going to happen, though. I mean, and again, you, you know, it's it's this is the environment that we've set up. And if anybody is smart out there at all. Um, other than Jamie Dimon, they're doing exactly what you said. You know, this, you know, PNC, uh, PacWest was out looking for a savior yesterday. The reason the stock's cut in half today is nobody's stepping up. And, right. you know, that's uh, to your point. Everybody's going to say, yeah, we'll just wait till you, you fell and we'll pick over the carcass. <laughs> and, right. you know, and, and, that's, and, and that's not a good environment to be in for sure. No. And I think what's interesting in 2008, the Fed drew a line. That's, you know, basically they were not going to let Remember, Bank America was on the ropes and so was City. Mm-hmm. They were not going to let that size bank fail. They let Washington Mutual fail, which at the time was the largest bank, uh, the largest bank failure. Right. Uh, they let Lehman fail uh, and they let some smaller banks countrywide pretty much fail. They got bought out by Bank America, who was then on the ropes. So the question is, where is the Fed going to draw the line? And I don't think this is a J.P. Morgan Bank America issue, but is it is PNC big enough? They will will not let them fail, but they'll let the PacWests and the First Republics fail. You know, where does, uh, you know, name your regional bank. First Horizon is, you know, apparently one of these other banks that mm. could fail. They just actually broke off their merger with uh, TD Bank right. uh, this morning, you know, which, you know, that. That's probably going to scare investors. The stock gets killed, deposits leave, and First Horizon could be mm-hmm. taken over by the FDIC this afternoon. I mean, that's how quickly it happens. So the Fed, 
is going to have to stop this game of dominoes somehow. Um, and the question is when and where and how. Well, and that's and the, and this is where the market is banking on Fed rate cuts now. Is that mm-hmm. you know if this does start to increase in magnitude in terms of the number of failures? I mean, already the the fail the bank failures that we've had already exceed the value of all the bank failures that we had back in 2008. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know at some point, you know the the Fed the expectation is the Fed will have to step in and start cutting rates to alleviate the pressure on assets. Uh, to keep these banks from failing, but but again, you know, the question is: is are these just one-off, isolated events, or is this a more systemic issue that continues to spread? And and you know, that's you know, that's the question. And the problem is, from an investment standpoint, is if you wait to find out that answer, these stocks, the, the survivors are going to be up 60 percent, literally overnight, and you're right. you're, you're going to miss the whole opportunity. So. At some point, you're gonna to have to step. It's one of those. This is one of those times where you're gonna to have to step up, kind of nut up, and and you know <laughs> pick a pick a company that you do the work on. You have to really do the work, but you're gonna to have to make a bet here that you know whatever bank it is isn't isn't gonna isn't gonna fail for one reason or another. And that's the work we're trying to do now. Um, but there's there's a lot of unanticipated risk out there because again, you know because of depositors. Having access to mobile, you know, mobile phone banking, you don't know who's going to wake up in the morning and then all of a sudden $40 billion in assets left overnight. And just you don't have time to react to that because it happens literally over a weekend. That's going to be one of the bigger challenges that you really can't factor in to the analysis because you don't know how what the behavior of those depositors are going to be. And that's the big challenge. Right. Right. And here's the other big thing. The Fed just raised rates to 5%. That means that your one and three month treasury bills and your money market funds are going to be over 5%. So what's the difference between four and three quarters and five? 25. But but it's a big number. So now people will start talking, oh, I'm getting 5% here or there. Yeah. And they're saying, well, well, why am I taking zero at my bank? I, I need to move some money. It has nothing to do with the safety of the bank. It's just that I can be making 5%. We saw this with those inflation bonds a year ago. Yeah. Everyone wanted the I bonds. No one knew what they were, but they wanted them because they were 9 or 10%. Yep. And then right? times well, change, and that's for sure. Thing. Anyway, that wraps right. up the show for the day. Appreciate it, Michael, as always. All right. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you back here next time on The Real Investment Show.